back because the market is closed. Good Monday afternoon, everyone. Tyler Harridge here with you for today's VRA Investing Podcast. It was an eventful weekend, eventful start to the week this week, as I'm sure you've all seen by now. After a brutal 20-year occupation in Afghanistan, the U.S. has made significant efforts to get all of the troops out of the country, leaving Afghanistan in just utter chaos as the Taliban have now once again taken control of the country, taking control of the U.S. Embassy, uh, something that military leaders and even Joe Biden said was not possible just weeks ago. Uh, I won't even get too deep into it. There's so much out there right now. I'm sure that y'all have seen a lot of it. But Biden just had his first press conference about it because he was on vacation over the weekend. Couldn't take the time to address Americans as it was happening. Uh, but no surprises there. He passed the buck to previous presidents, even uh, his former colleague, uh, Barack Obama. And of course, blaming Trump for a little bit of it as well. But uh, all in all, Another full teleprompter speech. And guess what? No questions allowed. They just walked right off. So if you missed this, you really didn't miss much at all. It's about what you would expect coming out of uh, the Oval Office right about now. But going into the session today, our markets looked like they were going to get a little bit of a sell-off on this news, get a little rough start to the week going, especially after this morning we saw a massive miss in the Empire Manufacturing Sentiment Survey. Uh, outside of last year's coronavirus insanity sell-off in March, this was the biggest drop in the survey's history. So pretty significant, showing a little bit of concern out there. We also saw a big miss in consumer confidence last Friday as well. But that wasn't enough to keep our markets lower either Friday or again here today. Really pretty impressive action, which I'll cover here uh, in just a little bit more in a minute because that economic data wasn't just localized to the United States. We saw it in China as well, seeing significantly sharper than expected economic slowdowns in July from China. Their retail sales falling further than expected, industrial production slowing, uh, fixed asset investments slowing, property investments slowing, and even the big one here, online sales growth. You think of they're going back into lockdowns, you'd see online sales growth improving but it came back at just a 4.4%. That is a significant drawdown from the 21% that they've seen for the last five years on average. But the difference here between what their markets did in response to this data was vastly different from what we saw in the US here today. Chinese markets continuing their plummet here uh, really for the last few months now, since their peak in February, just an absolute implosion, especially in their tech names as the CCP continues to crack down on their tech companies. And just for a second here, after July, they, they bottomed at the end of July, looked like we get a little bit of rally still off of those lows from July. 
But what we found interesting was right as they were starting to get out of oversold territory on our VRA momentum oscillators, they continued to head lower. So we got just a little bit of an oversold bounce there. And then looking like in some of these ETFs and some of these names, looking like they could be making new lows here soon. The China large cap ETF was down another 1.67% today. Uh, so China is now leading lower, which is why I bring this topic up today. The rest of the world is holding up much better. In Europe, we're seeing a lot of European ETFs like uh, France and the Eurostox 50, at least hovering around their all-time highs. France hit an all-time high on Friday, a little bit of, a, of a, a pullback today. Nothing significant, though, still within range of their all-time highs. So that looks like it's telling us something here. And a lot of this is speculation because you don't get a whole lot of quality info out of China. Not that we would really trust that much of our media on it here anyway, or the media there for that matter. But why does it seem from the outside that China is taking its own companies down? Uh, really interesting pieces out recently about Xi Jinping and his, and his crackdown on tech there and why he waited until now to do it. Uh, George Soros, of all people, put out a piece really villainizing Xi Jinping over the weekend as well. And there might be a few reasons for that. And just as, as they relate to today's action in Afghanistan, what we've seen, I wanted to cover this briefly. And like I said, a lot of this is speculation, but the greatest threat to the Great Reset, the World Economic Forum's idea of how we need to build back better <laughs> from the coronavirus insanity, again, build back better, was not specifically a Biden slogan. We saw it all over the place and it originated uh, with the World Economic Forum. But now, after what we've seen in Afghanistan, we know that if China wanted to invade Taiwan, they'd have almost no resistance. Uh, it just wouldn't happen right now, especially if they were to do it in the coming weeks as the Biden administration is trying to get some control over the narrative of what's going on in Afghanistan right now. Today, a Chinese state media source, the Global Times, put out a series of tweets basically just bashing the United States, asking whether or not they would keep their promises to their allies. If war broke out in the Taiwan Straits, what would the U.S. do about it? How would we respond? It just... It illustrates how badly our exit of Afghanistan has hurt the U.S. global reputation. Not to say that it was a, a, a beacon of hope to the rest of the world since, I mean, really the last 20 years or so. But the media outlet went on to say that the distrust from Afghanistan citizens reflects what the entire world is feeling right now. They're saying that the world has lost confidence in the United States. They basically even asked if China uh, were to invade in uh, Taiwan, what would the U.S. do? Uh, essentially, it'd be another shocking embarrassment on par at least with what we've seen in Afghanistan. But tying back in what other world leaders and this great reset crowd thinks about this, 
They can't have it. They would hate to have that embarrassment on their hands. Uh, Their biggest threat to what they want to do is the sovereignty of countries like China, like Russia, who would resist something like this. So in a situation like this, it's interesting to look back and see what other comparisons we may have. And it seems like the closest comparison is Japan. So 30 years ago, Japan imploded when they were the number two world economy, famously uh, real estate around their um, capital building, I'm forgetting the name of it right now, was worth more than all of California's real estate market combined. That implosion did not take place militarily. That implosion took place financially. So with the crackdowns we've seen from Xi Jinping and the huge sell-offs that we've seen from China, their markets, their individual names as well, could this be what they're trying to do to, to China? They are the number two world economy right now. So in a very similar position as Japan was, and they even have been projected to pass the United States, and that timeline has been speeding up. So, very similar to what happened in Japan, when Japan began to collapse, the rest of the world's markets, at least the United States, continued to head higher. It's exactly what we're seeing in China, like I said, in Europe, continuing to, to remain at all-time highs, definitely not in correction territory. The U.S., we just got two all-time highs here today, and the leaders of the World Economic Forum and the elites of the world know that a war with China is not what they want, but that they do have the ability to attack their financial instruments. That would force China. It would force their hand to turn inward as opposed to outward. Uh, so we think it's really interesting to monitor what has been going on here, kind of this, like I said, the villainization of Xi Jinping that we've gotten so much of over the last few weeks. The timing here seems really interesting. Again, speculation at this point, but we want to keep you up to date on some of the things that we are looking at here. Uh, we initially looked at it as the, this is going to be a great buying opportunity for China. As much as we don't want anything to do long-term holding Chinese stocks, it, it was setting up for a really good trade. And not to say that's out the window yet, but they are significantly below their 200-day moving average on just about everything. And the really interesting one here is when you look at the Emerging Markets ETF, EEM, versus the Emerging Markets ETF minus China. So EEM versus EMXC, which is really really outperformed and still it's sold off a little bit talking about EMXC, but has held up phenomenally better than EEM, which is I think like 40% weighted to China. And, and I think it's actually closer to 50 when you factor in Taiwan as well. So seeing that collapse is certainly an interesting occurrence here. We're keeping an eye on it. Absolutely. Uh, so thanks for, for, let me get that out there. You know, again, just want you to know what we're watching out there, where we're looking for trading opportunities, what's happening in the global financial marketplace. All right, so let's take a look next at our U.S. markets on the day today. 
Again, it looked like it was going to be a really weak day at the open. Today, we ended up closing at all-time highs on the Dow and the S&P 500. Pretty incredible. Tech actually performed pretty well, too. It was mostly defensives uh, that held up the best, talking about utilities, uh Really, I mean, at some point, you have to wonder whether or not you can call mega caps <laughs> defensive names. They've been the only outperformers for uh, for a long time now. Small caps continuing to get crushed. Uh, so it was certainly an interesting day. One other point I wanted to point out, too, is that it is important to remember after all of this news in Afghanistan to look back at what happened when Saigon fell in Vietnam. Stocks didn't seem to care here in the United States. Looks like a very similar story here today. Obviously, with two indexes hitting all-time highs, doesn't seem like the markets seem to care that much. In markets that go up on bad news or at least uncertainty like this is a market that wants to head higher. Also, a great sign of a bull market is a market that opens weak and closes strong. Markets that open strong and finish weak that typically happens in a bear market. So we have a lot of worries out there today, right now, and especially in the internals, which I'll get to here in a second. But folks, remember, long term, we remain very bullish right now. So I don't want any of the points that I make to look like we're turning our sentiment towards bearish here. But we could see a little bit of a pullback. But long term, again, we're in year two of a bull market. Bull markets typically last five to six years on average. The last one lasted 10 years. So we still believe that we're in the infancy of this bull market. We've got a lot higher to go. So looking at our indexes, we were led by the Dow up three tenths of 1% to 35,625 all time high. Next up was the S&P 500 up 0.26% to 4,479 also an all time high. And then uh, our other two indexes did lag on the day. The NASDAQ down two-tenths of 1% to 14,793. And lastly, for today, the Russell 2000 down 0.89% to 2,203. And again, taking a look at our internals now, this does continue to worry us about what we've seen in the market. For the better part of the last 12 weeks now, we've had poor internals. We've seen some positive days in there, but for the most part, they have been mixed to poor readings here. But our markets have continued to hit all-time high after all-time high. It's pretty incredible, uh, really considering the fact that the majority of stocks have been struggling. It has been the mega caps really holding this up. We saw Apple hit an all-time high here today. Uh, up really a, a nice 1.35%. Amazon was also lower earlier in the session, was able to rally all the way back to finish positive on the day, just barely, but it did dip below its 200-day moving average, but closed above it. So pretty strong action there from the mega caps. Uh, but so looking at our internals, declines, beating out advances, just over two to one negative on the day today. New 52-week highs to lows, comeback, Positive are one positive factor from the NYSE, but they were over two to one negative on the NASDAQ. And lastly here, volume coming in two to one negative overall on the day as well. 
Looking at our sectors on the day, again, most of the positive action here in the defensive names. Uh, but we got a few all-time highs from them as well. Healthcare leading the way, hitting an all-time high. Utilities, and then followed there by consumer staples, both of those hitting all-time highs today as well. And then, just after that, right as I'm talking about defensives, tech was our fourth runner-up here, also hitting an all-time high on XLK. The tech ETF, again, Apple hitting an all-time high, big portion of that there. What we didn't like from tech was that the semis did finish lower on the day today. They've seen a little bit of weakness. They hit an all-time high at the beginning of August and since then have sold off. Something we're watching closely here, we love trading the semis, but when we're talking about being bullish on our markets, you want to see tech leading the way and semis leading tech. Now, it's just a couple days of action here, so nothing too, too much yet, but not what you want to see. Uh, for the rest of our sectors, we also finished higher in industrials, communication services, and real estate. Our laggards on the day were energy, materials, consumer discretionary, and financials. Finally for today, our VRA Commodity Watch. Gold now up on the day up 0.58% to 1,788 an ounce. Silver up as well, a little bit less at three-tenths of 1% to $23.84 an ounce. Copper now lower by a percent and a half though to $4.32 a pound. Oil down a similar 1.5% to $67.19 a barrel. Finally for today, I thought Kip made a really interesting point here about Bitcoin, which has had a great run lately. Really interesting to consider if the powers that be in Afghanistan, not talking about the elites or anything like that here, but just in Afghanistan, knew that something was happening. They could feel it brewing, the tension heating up. Would they not try to convert many of their assets that they could into Bitcoin, something they could take easily into other countries? Certainly possible, certainly could explain some of the big move higher that we've seen in Bitcoin. But Bitcoin, now back to 48,000, earlier in the session at least, did finish the day, or at least now, trades 24 hours, so didn't finish, but now down 1.8% to 45,850 a Bitcoin. Folks, that is all that we have time for here today. Please be sure to subscribe to receive our VRA podcast every day at the market close. You can sign up at VRAinsider.com. Click the podcast link at the top, and we'd love to have you with us. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next time, we'll see you back here tomorrow for the close.